This is God's word for us today. It's without error, and it's meant to change you and impact your life. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, make good on your promise to bear fruit when your word goes forth. Lord, use me today. Bless everyone that is hearing my voice, Lord. Pray that they would hear from you through your word today. Impact us and change us. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. So the title of my sermon is The Gift of Spiritual Adoption. I want to say from the outset, this passage uses the word sons. Um, that does, little ones, if you're listening to this, that does not mean that you become a son. It uses the word sons because in this context, the sons were the ones that received the adoption. I'm sorry, the, uh, uh, the inheritance, okay? So as you're listening to this today, I believe it's accurate to replace the word child in this. Now, the, 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 the Greek says sons, but I'm saying that was a contextual word. Today, you can hear it as child, okay? So just know that as you're hearing me preach. Here's where it starts. God brings us into his family. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Now, when a large disaster hits a nation, citizens expect their leader to come visit them. They expect their president, their prime minister, their king or their queen to come and visit them, to show solidarity, to be where they are, to see for himself or herself the brokenness, the suffering. They come, they're led by their entourage and their attendants, and we all know the drill. After a day or two, they're whisked away. They return back to the security of their executive mansion He or she gives a speech about how sobered they are, how changed they are, how ready they are to pull the levers and push the buttons of the government to give help, all from a very safe distance. Not so with Jesus. That's not what Jesus does. The royal son entered into the suffering himself. He became like us. He was born of woman, the word says here. He became fully human like us. He walked through this world of temptations and trials and tears just as we do. He was flesh and bone just like us. Also like us, Jesus was born under the law. Now what does that mean? It means that all of God's commandments, all the ways of living that align with God's holiness and his character, all the things that we fail to do, Jesus took that upon himself. He was subject to those things. He took it upon himself, and because he didn't inherit a sinful nature from Adam, he could obey them faithfully and completely his whole life. It was these two things together, born of woman, born under the law, and Jesus doing it perfectly, his full humanity and his complete righteousness, that's what made him able to be the Savior. Now, what is this salvation that he accomplished? The text says this, to redeem those who were under the law. To redeem those who were under the law. 
so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, the first thing about this is that those under the law have been redeemed. Another translation could be liberated. You've been liberated from bondage if you were in Christ. Jesus has freed us. He fulfilled the law's requirements in his perfect life, and he took on the curse of our law-breaking in his atoning death. If you trust in Jesus, friends, listen to me. You don't have any condemnation to fear anymore. No matter what you do, if you trust in Jesus and you repent of your sins, he has taken on the curse of your law-breaking already. But this salvation... In this text, what we learn is that this salvation is not just an out of, but it's also an into. It's not just out of from under the law, but it's also an into, into God's family. All those who repent and believe in Jesus are brought out from under the condemnation of the law that was ours because of our law breaking, and we're brought into God's family. Through Christ, we've been adopted. Now, this is so amazing, and it's so often overlooked. The the good news of the gospel is not that we've been sprung out of jail, put back on the street, and told, don't screw up this time. If you think that that's what the Christian message is, then you've got it wrong. And I want to tell you good news. It's better than that. It is not that you've just been sprung out of jail, your debt's been canceled, and now you have to live the rest of your life hoping that you don't ever screw up again. No, through repentance and faith in Jesus, we are brought out of prison and into his home into his home with the legal rights of a family member. We're part of his household now. We have a seat at God's table where we're fed. We have a place in the living room where we laugh and learn and play. We have a role in his household where we serve. The son became a child so that we could become adopted children. But then God does something even more. Look at this next part. He tells us we belong to him. He tells us we belong to him. The text says, because we are sons, again, you can hear that as child or children, because we are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In the ancient Roman Empire, um, the process of adoption required seven witnesses. You had to have seven witnesses there. If there was a dispute about someone's identity, you would call those seven to settle the dispute. Were you actually there to witness this adoption? Well, God is so great, he doesn't need seven witnesses. He just needs one. He needs one very powerful witness, the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, Pastor Andrew preached on Acts 2. He talked about how at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all of God's people. And that now God's spirit indwells us and empowers us. Part of that indwelling, one of the things the spirit does as he dwells in us, is to tell us about our new identity. Tell us who we belong to. The father sent his spirit into our hearts so that we can be convinced that he is for us, not against us. So that we know that we belong to him, no matter what. The Spirit testifies to us every day if we're listening. It's true. It's true. You really are a beloved child of God. You belong to your loving Father. Your sins are forgiven. You are free. You have a future and you have a hope. Isn't it wonderful how much God cares for you? That he wants this to be true for you? That he wants you to know it 
deeply. To your father, it's not good enough for your adoption papers to just be legal documents filed away somewhere in some bureaucrat's office. He makes a big banner and puts it on the front porch. Welcome home, my child. He gets things in every room of the house reminding you that you belong to him. That's how much he cares for you. God wants our adoption to be not just legally real, but emotionally real for us. In other words, he wants it to be the kind of truth that we feel, not just think. And to really top things off, if that weren't enough, the Spirit gives us a new way to address God. We can call him Abba. Now, what does that mean? Some more cultural translation here. This is an Aramaic word. It's not a Swedish pop band. It's an Aramaic word. It's a domestic name for a father. It's a term of endearment and a close relationship. In English, depending on your own family culture, it could be understood as dad or papa or daddy. It's a term of intimacy. It's something that's said within a family circle. Now, children call me many things. They call me Mr. Passmore if they don't know me very well. If they're getting to know me more, they might, they might call me Mr. Joel. In the context of a church, they might call me Pastor Joel. But there's only two children on this earth that call me Dad or Daddy. And when they do, what goes unspoken is the closeness of our relationship, the intimacy that we share. What goes unspoken, what doesn't have to be said, is that they belong to me, that I would do nearly anything for their well-being. Now that God has brought you, if you trust in Jesus, into his family, we get to speak with him, speak to him, and call him with that kind of word of intimacy, indicating our close relationship. Just like Jesus did, friends, we get to call God the Father the same word that Jesus did. Look in Mark 14, when he is crying out in the garden, crying out to God for help, to complete his mission as Messiah. He cried out and he called his father Abba because he needed his father's help. The Spirit prompts us and encourages us to speak to God in this way, knowing that we belong to him as his adopted and beloved children. With the the Spirit's help, we rebuke the lie from the evil one that God is not a good father, that his love for us is temperamental, that it's going to change if we have a bad day. It rebukes the lie that we can't approach him with confidence. Instead, we call out to him boldly, just like our Savior did, and say, care for me. I'm your beloved child. Care for me in my hour of need. Now, I want to pause and say this. Everything I've been talking about, about God bringing us into his family, telling us that we belong to him, That is not true of everyone on this earth automatically and universally. You need to know this. The universal truth of all mankind, God tells us in Ephesians, is that everyone is dead in sin. By nature, children of wrath. By nature, children of wrath. In order to become an adopted child of God, in order for everything that I've been saying to be true for you, you must repent of your sin. And put your faith in Jesus. Have you done that yet? 
Have you done that yet? If you haven't, I urge you in the name of Jesus to come to him. Stop running from God. Stop denying his claim on your life. And stop trying to make yourself acceptable to him through your own effort. You can only come to God by grace. He is ready to receive you. But you have to acknowledge your utter helplessness and come to him trusting that he provides everything that you need in Christ. Trusting in Jesus as your Savior. Become a child of God. That is the offer of the gospel. Become a child of God. And then truly live that way for the rest of your life. There is life and health and peace to be found in Jesus. And only in Jesus. Now let's talk about living like a child of God. This is my third point, my final point. He calls us to live accordingly. Here's what the text says again. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Paul is bringing everything that he's been saying to a point. He's saying to the Galatian believers, this is who you are now. You no longer have to work to earn approval or acceptance. Constantly fearful of condemnation, worried about the future. Now you are accepted, beloved, and secure. This is where the rubber meets the road, my friends. Living in accordance with your identity as an adopted child, that's discipleship at its most fundamental level. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, I want to help you get your arms around this, your mind and your heart around this. Your sonship is at the center of your discipleship. When our thinking and feeling and acting is guided by who we are in Christ, we experience freedom and life and joy. When we forget our identity, when we forget who we belong to, we're merely practicing a religion and we lose our way. Now, I love the Toy Story movie franchise, one of my favorites. It's been out a little while now. If you haven't seen it, you really should. The central characters, I mean, who hasn't seen it? The central characters are toys that are owned by a kid named Andy. They're toys that are alive. Whenever these toys get into trouble, they always find a way to get in trouble, don't they, kids? Whenever they get into trouble, they often face a choice that hinges on their identity. Who am I, really? In Toy Story 2, the sleeper movie of the franchise, in my opinion... Woody feels ignored, and he's tempted to leave all the other, the other toys. He's tempted to leave and become the centerpiece of an exhibit in a toy museum. He could be adored by millions, but behind glass, never played with. His fellow toys plead with him to stay. Woody, don't do this. Don't go. Stay. You belong here. Eventually, they give up because they can't convince him. As he is considering his future, at the last possible moment of decision, he turns over his boot, and he looks at the underside, and he sees a scribble on his boot. This is the picture that he sees, the stamp of family. He sees Andy's name written on him. He remembers that he belongs to Andy. His head clears He remembers his purpose. He remembers his calling. And he makes better decisions. 
He chooses to return to his home, to return to his family, and even better, he brings other toys with him. Other toys with him that need a home, that need an owner, that need a family to belong to. This is why God gives us this word in Galatians 4. To turn over our shoe and remind us that we belong to a loving father. That he has written his name on us. He's written his name on us. We belong to him. We were meant to live according to this identity all day, every day. Now, we all need help in this. So, adopted children of God, I want to conclude with this. I'm going to give you three statements that you can use. Three statements that I believe are thoroughly biblical if you are in Christ. Three statements to remind yourself who you are and to help you live accordingly. Tell yourself these truths in agreement with the testimony of the Spirit that dwells in you. The same Spirit that Pastor Andrew preached about last week. Here's the first one. I don't need to try to earn my place in God's family. I don't need to try to earn my place in God's family. This is a big one. He's brought you into his family by grace, not because you were really special, not because you were really awesome. I'm sorry if that's disappointing to you. It's actually the best news I could ever tell you. It's not because you were super special. It's because of his sovereign grace alone. You remain in his family by grace. That's the part we forget. Not because you earn your keep. It's not that you did your chores and so God will kind of keep you around. And yet we still often try to earn approval from God, don't we? We try to earn approval from God or for other people through performance or talent or achievement. Little children, hear me. Don't, don't, don't go down that road. Your talent is great. Your achievements are great. That is not an idol that you want to serve. It can never give you the fulfillment of t- telling you who you are. It can never give you an identity that fulfills you. Only Christ can. So ask yourself this, how should I think, feel, and act knowing that I am already significant because God made me his child? That's the question for you. Here's the second one. My father loves me dearly and wants to spend time with me. You are not a child that your father just tolerates. You are a child that he cherishes. That kind of father loves to be with his children and wants to hear what's on their minds all the time. That's the kind of parent that all of us who are parents aspire to be but fail so miserably so many times. Sometimes we feel that God is usually just frustrated with us, don't we? That he's kind of indifferent about us. That he doesn't really care if we're there or not. That he's on his phone and we're there and he's ignoring us. That is not who God is. We suspect that he's looking at us with his arms crossed, don't we? He's kind of looking at you like this. Ask yourself, how should I approach conversation and relationship with my father knowing that his posture is not arms crossed but his arms open wide? The third and final thing that you can tell yourself, as an adopted child, I look forward to a blessed and abundant future. You're an heir. Your inheritance is secure. This life is not all that there is. 
What is promised to God's adopted children is a glorious future that will never be taken away from you. But we get so anxious about what might happen in our lives. Every day, anxiousness besets us. We worry about the outcomes of our plans. We worry and we wonder if we're going to be taken care of. When we do that, we prioritize all the wrong things. But here's the question to ask instead. Ask yourself, how should I use my resources and plan my life knowing that I have an inheritance that can never be taken away? Spring run over 2,000 years ago, Jesus became child of a woman so that we could become children of God. Then God sent the Spirit into our hearts to tell us that we belong to him. And now he calls us to live accordingly as sons and daughters and heirs looking forward to a glorious future. This is the amazing gift of spiritual adoption. We were meant to take it out of the box and put it to use and enjoy it. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, make these realities true for us in our hearts and our minds. Help us to embrace them and live this way. Lord, you know how difficult it is for us. You know how often we forget who we belong to. Continue your faithful ministry in our hearts to remind us every day who we belong to. Lord, if there is anyone hearing my voice who is not your child, who has not repented and believed, Jesus, please intercede with saving faith. Intercede with, with the illumination of your spirit so that they reach out and take hold of you through repentance and faith. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, do this work because of your faithful promises to your people. We pray this in your name. Amen.